Sam, a sober addict and the host, and I'm so glad that you all are here. This podcast is just a space where sober addicts can come to tell their stories, uh, share their stories about their addiction, where it brought them, how they got sober, and then why they continue to be sober today. Uh, if you are a sober addict and would like to come on and tell your story, I would love that. And you can get in touch with me via my website, which is whyareyousober.org, or you can email me at sam at whyareyousober.org. And as always, if you're somebody who is struggling with addiction or maybe struggling with someone you know who is an addict and you just want to talk and need help or need resources or anything, you can also get in touch with me. I would love to help. So again, the email address is sam at whyareyousober.org. And you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and all of the socials. So this week, we have my friend Kathara coming on. And again, Kathara is somebody who I met in my first home group. Um, so this is somebody who I absolutely love and adore. And she and I went through some fun experiences together during our time. And uh, I just can't wait to share her story with you all. But before we get into that, I kind of wanted to talk a minute about different kinds of ways of getting sober. Um because I, I know that this seems to heavily go towards AA, but as always, that is not the only way to get sober. So obviously, that's one of the most unknown ways of getting sober. And uh, there are a lot of different anonymous groups, such as Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, um, Gambling Anonymous. I mean, there are all sorts of groups that you can get into if you want need want or need help getting sober and you know one of the things about getting sober early on is that what you need is a support group around you uh no matter what you need the people around you that you can rely on and talk to and who are there to support you and so that's why a lot of those groups can are very popular and people enjoy them because it immediately gives them a support group of people who are there to help you and who have experienced what you have experienced and know very well what you're going through. And if one person does know, there's always somebody there who who can relate to your experiences as I've always found in every group that I've ever been in. Um, but that's not to say that that's how you have to get sober. As my friend Katie had described, she went to a counselor and basically got a sober coach. There are people out there who are sober coaches. You can literally hire somebody to help you, kind of like a counselor, to aid you in your sobriety. And there are some great people out there. You can I've seen people on TikTok and Instagram who run great programs and are there helping people get sober. Uh, but even then, uh, if you remember in Katie's story, she talked about how she talked with people in her life about what was going on. So then she formed a community around her. Um, so that is definitely a way that you can do it also. There are other groups out there such as Dharma Recovery, no, wait, I'm sorry. It's Recovery Dharma. I did that wrong. Uh, Recovery Dharma is a wonderful group that is uh, based in Buddhism. And I have read their books, and I think they are great. And I think it's a wonderful way that people can get sober. And those there are groups out there for Recovery Dharma. So I highly suggest that as well. Um, another wonderful way of doing it is also a secular program that's not so spiritually focused as AA is, there is there are programs and there is a book out there called 12 Secular Steps, which 
are also wonderful ways that can help people get sober. So there are lots of ways out there. And I just kind of wanted to talk about that today before I get into another friend of mine who comes from an AA group. So all that to say, there are lots of ways to get sober. So if you are looking or needing resources, please just get in touch with me or find somebody on Instagram and Facebook. There's a wonderful guy out there. His name is Connor, and he runs a podcast called The Sober Plug. And he actually is a sober coach. So I would highly recommend finding him on TikTok because he has wonderful videos that you can watch. And that's the other thing that Katie talked about was going on social media and finding people who were promoting sobriety and who were talking about sobriety in ways they got sober. You know, so she really built a community around her, which is a wonderful thing to do. And since leaving AA. And then, uh, well, when I did leave AA for a little bit, I had a really wonderful support group around me um, that was there for me when I needed them. Um, and then when I finally got back into AA, it was great. Uh, you know, it didn't relapse or anything. Just there was a period of time where it it was not convenient for me to get to a meeting uh, just because of where I moved to and where I was living. So, and then COVID happened. So all that to say, there are lots of ways to get sober. So that's why I do this podcast. It's just to help people and guide people in hopefully gaining the wonderful life that all of these wonderful people have gained that I'm bringing on here. So all that to say, let's get started. So this is Cathar's episode. Again, I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. And this is the serenity prayer. Good and gracious friend, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Um, where people come on sober addicts to tell their stories. Um, I just thought that, um, you know, with the pandemic and all that happened regarding that, that this may be a great source for people to utilize just hearing other stories about their sobriety and, you know, gaining some experience, strength and hope from people's stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually listened to your story the other day on your episode one. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, I didn't listen to episode two, so I was like, I don't know how the the second part of how it's going to go. But uh, I will say I had no idea that you had such an issue uh, with your sexuality with your parents, because by the time I met you, it seemed like they were like you were on pretty good terms. Oh, yeah. And by the time you did, we definitely were. Um, But also by the time you did, my parents and I were really putting a lot of healing on our relationship finally right so so yeah you definitely got to meet them on the upswing <laughs> yeah. so uh yeah. yeah well um i'm sorry that you had to struggle with that nonetheless well thank you thank you i i, I appreciate that um you know but we all we all have our struggles so you know i'm not gonna like sit here and pout about it like it happened you right. know? so um yeah so really i just kind of start with like so, Kathara, what was growing up like for you? Uh, all right. So, growing up for me, actually, I was uh, when I was born, both my parents were in the military, and Ooh, so okay. I was born in a military hospital. Um, it's funny because years later, my mom was like, "I had you to get out of the military." I was like, oh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, actually we moved to Alaska when I was like eight months. I don't remember any of it, but my sister who's six years older than me tells me how beautiful and wonderful it is. And then my parents divorced when I was five. 
Oh, wow. Okay. uh, Yeah. And actually, one of... I was thinking about this the other day. One of my earliest memories is I remember my parents fighting over who was going to take me to the hospital because I was running a fever. Oh, and wow. the only reason that like registers with me now is because I remember always feeling like I didn't want to be a burden. Um, oh, okay. So that's something that I think like I still kind of struggle with, you know, way down the line when I was going through my, uh, four step you know my sponsor was like you're a people pleaser and i was like oh shit i had no idea (laughs) anyway so my parents divorced um and then you know we kind of grew up poor but like so we me and my sister went with my mom um and we moved around a lot but like i know we grew up poor but like we didn't really realize we grew up poor you know what i mean like the love was never missing so I always look back on that with uh, fondness. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was all over northern Kentucky, and it was, like, a lot of changing schools, which was hard because it's, like, you'd make some friends, and then you'd move. Yeah. And you'd make some friends, and then you'd move. And so it was, like, it got to the point where you're, like, I don't really want to make friends because I'm just going to leave. Yeah. Like, what's uh, the point? Yeah. <laughs> so, um and then, of course, you know, that that common theme that we usually hear is like, you feel like you don't belong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely got that. Um, so uh, we lived with my aunt for a little while. And um, at one point in between my fifth and sixth grade, we moved to Cincinnati. A lot of times we moved based on who my mom was dating, which I didn't really recognize until later. But. Is yeah, that kind of sucked. Um, anyway, so I moved to the inner city of Cincinnati, and for like the first time in my life, I became aware that I was like different. I mean, by that, I mean, I grew up in Kentucky, I went to school with this sounds weird, but all white people, and I'm kind of tan, yeah, but I never felt like different. Yeah, but when I went to school in Cincinnati, I was going to school with all black people, and they were like, hey you're different. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, uh, okay, this is weird. Um, and that was quite a culture shock and very, very difficult. Um, and I started to like close in on myself. Mm. Like I just wouldn't interact with people. And then we moved back to Kentucky and I went to this middle school with people that I went to an elementary school with. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I, apparently I wasn't the nicest. And so this one girl who I had been mean to was like, you remember when you were mean to me, what goes around comes around. And she was really popular by that point. So now everybody hated me and I'm like, Oh, this is fun. Oh gosh. (laughs) Uh, yeah. But I mean, so long ago, you know, but anyway, and then, uh, we ended up moving to Florence. I went to Boone County high school. And uh, I spent all four years there. Mom was like, I want you to, you know, be able to be in the same high school the whole time. Which, by that point, I was like, I just didn't mesh with people anyway. So I was like, it's fine. We could go wherever. (laughs) But we stayed there. Um, And also, around that time, my mom uh, married for the third time. And that was this guy named Norman. And he was, I always think of him now as like my evil stepdad. 
he was really bad. I remember being like 15 and him telling me that I would be really pretty if I got a nose job. Which is like not something you should say to young teenage girls. No, not at all. Yeah, that's horrible. (laughs) And then, uh, so actually before they got married, I spent the summer in Wyoming with some family friends, which was really great. And like I said, we grew up poor. So when I came back home to our apartment, like everything was like this really nice furniture. It was like I walked into a home that like wasn't my own. And then there's this guy there and then they get married. And then he's like, you know, we're going to have dinner on the table every night. And, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I'm like, who are you guy? We don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, uh, yeah, so that was pretty rough. And then at one point he was like, you got to get a job and get out of the house more. So I get a job and I get out of the house more. And then he's like, you're never home. You need to be home. And it's like, so it's like, I couldn't win. And it got really bad. But one of the things that was actually really helpful, and it helped me in the long run when I uh, got into AA, is that he made us go to church. Which my whole life, we never really went to church. Except for on Easter. Um, But, so we did, and, you know, it got to the point where I was so, like, depressed Um, I would skip meals so I didn't have to eat with them. And then I'd have to like sneak out to try and eat later. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I kept thinking about suicide, actually. Mm. But because I was going to church and they had a really great youth group there that I became a part of. I was like, I can't kill myself because if you kill yourself, you go to hell. (laughs) <laughs> or at least, you know, I don't know a lot about religion, but it was one of those things that I believed. And I look back on it and I'm like, I'm grateful because yeah, if I didn't have that, then, you know, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. I mean, that is, yeah, that is something to, yeah, be grateful about. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I look back on it as like my belief in, you know, God and my higher power or whatever you want to look at it as, uh, really saved my life then. Yeah. So... Let's see. So you get through, so you get through high school and so (laughs) you were greatly allowed to have actual four years in one place, but you had this person around that you didn't enjoy very much. Um, So what happened then when you graduated and went off to college and have, have you at that point, had you started like using anything or. Oh, so actually my, my evil stepdad was a huge pothead and he used to have an Altoids Uh. tin like rolled up joints in the um living room yeah there you go so uh so i want to say in between middle school and high school probably around 15 is when i i mean when i was younger my parents being in the military or whatever i used to have a sip of beer here and there like you know and the adults would laugh like "Uh but other than that not really so what's funny is though when i was 15 um one of my friends got this bottle it was probably, you know, like one of the small little pints or something. And it was like five of us drinking it in the woods. And I remember thinking, even then, I was like, this is like not enough booze to get us all drunk. Like, what a waste. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, later on, I'm like living with him. And one day I decided to like sneak one of his little half joints and I smoked that. Um, in my room and I ended up watching Fred and Ginger marathon 
which is why I love Fred and Ginger now. That's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that was it was nice. It was really nice. Um, and then in high school, you know, I I made some friends, and we um, I went to a couple parties, but I don't know. Mostly, I would smoke weed, and um, we would drink sometimes. Some of my friends did like mushrooms and stuff, but I never really got into that. Um, one time we went to this, uh, park in Kentucky and we snuck in after hours and I guess somebody saw us cause they locked the gate in and we got locked inside this park after hours. And then we had to like argue over who was going to try and drive around the baseball field in order to get out is anyway, that's, that's hilarious. not really what you're getting at. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I was, um, the drinking really didn't start to get heavy until uh, I got a DUI when I was 18, um, and it was for smoking weed, and oh, wow. kind of ridiculous. Um, and so, like, I was uh, this part in Kentucky, like, I, I was not familiar with these roads, but apparently I was at the stop sign, and a little bit past where I was on the, you know, crossroad is like a dead turn. And so like, I didn't see anyone coming and I pull out and this car hits me. And then the cop basically asked me if I had anything to smoke that day. And I said, yes, like a moron or just like a kid who doesn't know any better. And, uh, yeah. And then I got arrested. Yeah. I didn't have anything on me, like, yeah. but, and then I lose my license. So. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crappy. Yeah, but you know what? That's things happen that way. Honestly, I look back and a lot of the people I was hanging out with at that time in that area in Kentucky, a lot of them died from heroin overdoses. Yeah. One of my best friends died before he was 30. Oh gosh. So it's like, you know, Yeah. Sometimes things just intervene in our life and we don't recognize the blessing until later. Yeah, by the grace of yeah, by the grace of, of God. <clears throat> So, so um, yeah. yeah, so I don't have a license. Uh, I start working in this movie theater, Burger King. I mean, I don't really have much of a life going on right now, um, but hanging out and drinking. And I make friends with these like young teenagers that work at the movie theater, too, which I'm still friends with. But like it was I was like, it's so nice not having to worry about driving because I used to carry around a red solo cup and I would drink like Kool-Aid Vodka all yeah. day. Um, I, <laughs> turns out my friend that always drove me around didn't realize that. So years later when I told her, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, that's, I was always drinking while you guys were driving me around. I know it's, and it's, I, um, it's amazing to me to, to inform people of stuff. And they're like, you were, and it's like, yeah, I really <laughs> was. Wow. I was really better at hiding this than I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I've had people tell me before, like, for me, it's like we don't even recognize that you're drunk until you're like falling over. And to me, I'm like blacked out drunk before it even reaches that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's <clears throat> yeah. It's, so, am it's um, amazing what our tolerances are capable of. <laughs> scary. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was when I was listening to you talk about your um, what you blew, I was like, oh, I never had to blow. I wonder. I'm sure there was more than one occasion that that could have been like ridiculous. Oh, me too. I think I could have been much higher than that. Like if you had actually gotten <laughs> me walking out of the bar, I bet it would have been like 0.3 something. I mean, uh, 
because I think about it, it was probably an hour or so until they finally got my blood alcohol level. So I don't know, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Anyways. Well, so you, yeah, yeah. So I lost my license. Um, around that same time that I lost my license, um, my sister was in a really bad motorcycle accident. Like I remember being at work at the theater and they're like, they're like, Hey, they just called your aunt's on her way. Your sister's been in an accident and you're, they're taking you to the airport to fly to go see her. I mean, wow. that shit's wow. scary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she was in a motorcycle and is bad anyway. So, um, flash forward a little bit. I have to get my driver's license so that I can drive her around after she gets out of the hospital. Yeah. She's got like nine pins in her leg and one of those external fixators and all that. Um, so I end up doing that. I take these DUI classes. Uh, one of the things that I remember most in there, for one, I was like, I wasn't even drinking. Like, I'm taking these stupid DUI classes. You're asking me all these alcohol questions. I'm like, Psh. but of course, you know, I totally was drinking, just not that day. Um, so uh, I get my license and I go to um, Texas, which is uh, where they actually air her because she was in an accident in Georgia. And, uh, so we're on the base. I'm like 19 at this point. And my sister is like, Oh, I'll buy you booze, you know, whatever. You can get booze anytime on a base. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you can. <laughs> um, and then my friends, I have two really good friends who are, um, both parents of Delta. So like they could fly and come see me and then we'd like get drunk at my sister's house. And in the meantime, I'm like taking her to the hospital and I don't know. I'm just like, life is just kind of like, whatever. And, uh, I look back on that and I'm like, I really, I feel like I took advantage of my sister a lot. Um, mm. I ended, I definitely ended up having to take, make amends to her. I was like making long distance phone calls at her house. I mean, yeah, you know, I was like not being the best sister. Like I'm there to take care of my sister. Who's like had a motorcycle accident. Yeah. Her husband's divorcing her right now. She found out he cheated on her for over a year. Yeah. And, you know, she's hoping they don't kick her out of the military, which they end up doing. But. Yeah. And she just, and, yeah, she just needed her sister. Right. And I'm all like, you know, yeah, I take her to and from the hospital. And I mean, we did reestablish a bond that had kind of been lost since she left the house. Yeah. But. It's like I was it was all selfish. I was so selfish while I was there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I regret that a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We all have those moments, man. I mean, we definitely all have those moments. Yeah. So she gets to the point where she's like on her own. Um, and I go back home. Let's see. I want to say I started going back to school. Uh, Northern Kentucky University. But, like, I'm pretty much drinking and partying all the time. We went home for one time for, like, um, a, like just a, a party. Her and I's birthdays are on, like, in June. So we had, like, this celebration. And I remember I drank. I threw up on myself, took my shirt off, and went back to drinking. And I'm like, I look back and I'm like, that's so gross. But. Yeah. And I wasn't, I mean, I'm not even 21 at this point, you know, I'm just 19. Yeah. 
but it's so funny too when i got started in aa i was like i didn't drink that much but now that you have me like looking back on it i'm like holy shit i sure did <laughs> i know isn't it scary sometimes <laughs> I'm like, wow, I really, really did. <laughs> like, yeah. Did some stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so actually, um, I ended up, I, one night I was at this like dollar beer night at this restaurant and I ran into an old friend from high school and he was like, hey, um, our friend Diana from uh, high school, he's like, she's really not doing good. She really needs a friend. And he's like, she still lives at her house with her parents. And like, I, she's one of the people that we'd always gone to like parties with and stuff in high school. So yeah. I was like, okay. Uh, and this is only significant because of what a great role she ended up ha- playing in my life later. Um, but like, I'm super hungover the next day and I go over to her house. Uh, cause I'm, I don't know why just, I was like, she needs a friend. Okay. Uh, you know, which is totally not like the selfish person that I am at that point. But I go over there and like her sister just got back from her honeymoon and the whole family's there and I'm super hungover and I'm like, this sucks. But uh, my friend Diana's like, come on downstairs. And then we end up becoming like smoking and drinking buddies. We end up uh, carpooling to NKU all the time. And, you know, now I got my ride or die drinking buddy, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we hang out a lot and get effed up a lot. <laughs> uh, but, um, and th- I mean, that goes on for years. You know, I ended up getting my culinary degree. I was going to NKU, switched somewhere else because, like, I just did that shit because it was easy. But then I got culinary because it was easy and I could drink and get effed up all the time. I was like, sweet, this is what I really want. And, uh, I used to trade my pastries from culinary school at this job that I worked because they did inventory night on the same night. So I would give them pastries and that would let me drink for free all night while they did inventory. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Except for I'm like, I don't even remember what half those pastries tasted like. like, (laughs) You were too drunk. I look back and I'm like, I didn't learn shit while I was in culinary school. I was happy when they canceled my classes, even though I'm like, you know, at one point I was like, man, I wish I really learned how to do that. But, oh, you know, I was yeah. like, no, I want the free time. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, graduate. I'm cooking for years, drinking, partying, hanging out with my friend Diana. Um, I'm living in Cincinnati for like two years. And one day she's like, you want to move to Florida? And I'm like, okay. Um And so, you know, we decide to move. We're like, we're going to quit drinking. We're going to quit smoking. We're going to like exercise, eat healthy. Um, And, you know, of course that doesn't happen. But but we make a cross-country trek to Florida. And it's so funny. It's like, we're going to quit drinking. But I take an unopened bottle of Captain Morgan's with me that I got at our going away party. I'm like, clearly I wasn't too committed to this idea. <laughs> uh, anyway, and then, uh, you know, we're there for a little while. We're good for a little while. But it turns out she wanted to move to Florida because she met this guy uh, while she's on vacation, like a week or two before. Of course. 
so uh, she basically starts dating him like as soon as we get there. So then I'm by myself. I'm by myself. I'm in this strange place, and I happen to have this bottle of Captain Morgan in the closet. So, I mean, it's more of the same. I, I look back on it, and it's like, I was just thinking this the other day. My life never progressed because I it's like I made, I always paid my bills, but there was nothing extra. My life wasn't going anywhere. It was all about drinking and smoking pot and getting by. And that's what I did for years. So rather than just keep going on about all that, because it just it's more of the same. Um, <clears throat> so my blackout kept getting worse and worse. And so um, I want to say actually one time before I quit once before after I was in I was like maybe 30. OK. Um, you know, I'm in this relationship with this guy um, and I'm like. I had come to the conclusion that if I drank, I couldn't stop. Like, I had this awareness. If I took a drink, I could not stop. So I just told my friends, like, I'm just not going to start. Yeah. And I made it about two months. But, like, I hadn't made any changes in my life. And uh, I was at a bar one night with Loretta. uh, And she knew the bartender um and we're watching this game on tv and it happens to be like uk versus U of L, which is like a famous rivalry back home and i'm like watching it i'm telling her the backstory of why these two teams are like always at odds with each other and i go the whole game without drinking and then the team that i've you know the only team i've ever supported my whole life uk wins and um and i'm like I'd look at her and I was like, you think I could have a drink? And of course she's like a normal person. So she's yeah. like, sure. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. And I'm like, can I try this Captain Morgan private stock, whatever in the back? And sure. And then, I mean like, and of course it doesn't, and it's just like, I'm off to the races. Again. Yeah. It's yeah. not like, you know, I take it slow. No, I, go hard right away yeah nonstop and that's when the blackouts get really bad uh, the hangovers get bad my hangovers used to last for days like i'd be puking for like one or two days straight oh god yeah i i, I yeah i remember yep yeah, yep yeah. okay <laughs> keep going yeah. well i mean it's just like and then people would be like you know once you get to a people like i drank every day well i didn't drink every day because i couldn't like i could never do the hair of the dog thing like I just couldn't because I was too busy throwing up. Um, but so the blackouts start getting really like worse and worse. I've made a few new drinking buddies. Um, and so one night I go to my friend's house who we always partied at and I could crash there. And it's like, luckily it's like a safe place. Like nothing terrible is going to happen to me there. I like, I know her whole family and whatnot. Um, but I remember being there for like 30 minutes and apparently I was up drinking till like six o'clock in the morning. And I had already been thinking like these blackouts are kind of scary. Like, you know, I'm in this safe place, but like, what am I really doing? I have no clue. And that, that kind of really scared me that 30 minutes of like being consciously aware, you know, cause 
every time I would see her, it'd be like shots, shots, shots. It's like the more I drank, it was like, sure, once upon a time, it was like this type of drink and that type of drink. But towards the end, it was like, I want liquor on the rocks or straight because I got to get messed up as quickly as possible. (sighs) Anyway, so that's when I was like really contemplating a lot. I started this journal probably two months before I quit drinking and um, I still look at it every now and then and it's like, you need to quit drinking. You need to quit drinking. You need to quit drinking. So on New Year's Eve, I'm like, this is going to be my last day of drinking. And I go to this restaurant because my thing was I used to try to see how many drinks I could consume before I got my food at restaurants, which is dumb, but, you know, (laughs) that's what I used to do. So I order this like filet to go and I'm sitting there drinking um, rum and Cokes. That was always my go to uh while I wait for my food and I go home you know I eat my food I finish off this bottle of rum that night and I remember thinking like I'm not drunk I could be drunker but at the same time I remember thinking if you go get a bottle to get more drunk you're gonna finish off that bottle and drink tomorrow or the next day you know Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so uh it was like 10 o'clock and I was like, well, I guess that's it, you know? And that was like the last time I had a drink. Um, and, uh, so I, I literally knew nothing about AA. <clears throat> and, um, I think it was like a week later cause you know, I was just not drinking, mm-hmm. but my friend Diana calls me and she's like, we're talking and she's like, look, I quit drinking on new year's and she tells me her story which is a lot different than my new year's eve story but either way you know she's like you know we're both gonna quit drinking and she was on vacation in the keys Mm. so when she came back and we've both been sober for like two weeks now and she's like i think we should go to aa and i'm like dude it is not that serious (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's so funny how much we delude ourselves. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. But yeah. Uh, so I knew nothing about AA like at all. Um, and you know, she's like, she looks up this place, 301 right down from where I lived. And you know, and really it came down to this. So I always think this, I, this idea that I had of what an alcoholic is and how I saw myself was like so separate that I was like, that's not me. You know what I mean? Um, I pay my bills, you know, I, I, I take care of myself. Well, in the sense that I live on my own, (laughs) uh, but I just, I just thought, you know, I imagine the like bomb underneath the, um, bridge you know yeah spending all this money and living his life just a drink yeah so we go to um 301 there's an accident like right in front of 301 so i'm like oh we missed the turn and she's like we can just loop around and go back i was like fine you're like shoot (laughs) i'm like i'm like so hesitant to go in there but you know yeah go in there uh 
we go and sit like at the very front table because uh, I didn't realize that, you know, newcomers are supposed to hide in the back. I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. When I went in, I went and sat right at the table, like, right, right uh, next to Amanda, who was the leader that night. <laughs> I was so right. dumb. I was right up front next to <laughs> Scott was a uh, chair in that night. Yeah. How dumb were we? Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, all I remember is Scott saying like, we'll love you till you learn to love yourself. I don't really remember a whole lot about that first meeting. Um, I do remember that I was probably going for a while saying I'm Cathara, but not saying I'm an alcoholic and like thinking that no one noticed that, you know, which of course people notice that. (laughs) But yeah. um, yeah, yeah, of course everyone notices that. Right. But you know, no one says anything to me. No one like, that, and that's actually what I really remember is like no one ever was like, aff- like confronted me about mm. why am I there or, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually Sue gives me and Diana big books with her number in them. And as soon as we leave, you know, we get home. My friend Diana, she's such like a, a go-getter, you know, in the sense that like, she wants to have everything right now. And uh, so as soon as we leave, she's like, let's start reading this book right now. I was like, okay. (laughs) So we go back to my apartment. We start reading, um, we start reading the big book. And I mean, like, it's really good. It's, I I remember thinking like, this is a really well-written book, you know? Um, But it's not really impressing anything upon me. And, um, we go to meetings like once a week. She lives in Newport Ritchie. So it's like, we'll go by 301 by me and we'll go to one over by her. And we just, we do that for maybe two months, maybe a month. I can't really remember. Um, hmm? Oh, <laughs> um, sorry. So you're fine, dude. Um, so um, I finally get to the chapter more about alcoholism. Yeah. And when they're describing the, the alcoholic and the attempts to control, and that was the first time that I recognized that they were talking about me. Um, and hmm. that made a huge impact on me. I remember feeling like this weight being lifted off of me. And I was like, you know, if they're sitting here describing like exactly what I have gone through, all the things that I have done to try and like control this drinking, like I want to drink, but I need to be able to control it, <laughs> which is just not possible, you know, and I, yeah. I'm not realizing it. Yeah. But I remember thinking like if they're talking about this, then they know what I'm going through because I always felt like such like an alien, like no one else suffers with their alcohol, like I do, you know, Mm, um, mm -hmm. it's like, and I have, I can manage all these things in my life except for this. And they describe that in this book or in that particular chapter. And so I was like, these people might have the answer. And that is when I got the willingness. That was the first time that I was like willing to be like, okay, I'm going to try this thing out. Um, and then I was like, uh, we went to dry dock over by where Diana lives and we went to this women's meeting and they give you marbles so you can get your marbles back. 
Um, and that was the first time I ever heard uh, 90 meetings in 90 days. And we walked out of there and Diana's like, I am not going to a meeting every day. And I was like, oh, yeah, me neither. And then I started going to a meeting every day at 301. Nice. And then I, yeah. <laughs> and then um, I got a sponsor. Um, and uh, so I should uh, preface this with um, I got a sponsor and I told her that I still smoked pot. And she's like, I'm here to help you get sober. Um, and so we just focused on my drinking, which was very helpful for me because at that point in my life, if she had told me that I had to quit doing that, I probably would not have stayed. And so just oh wow, so you know, I was definitely smoking pot for like the first two years I quit drinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I get the sponsor. I even told her, I was like, you know, I've already worked up through step three. So she's like, yeah, I think we're going to start at the beginning anyway. Yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Cause I was like willing to do whatever, you know? And, um, and after that, it's like, I started getting involved in stuff at 301. They always had like different events going on. Um, I think the first thing I did was, uh, they had this spring festival where they made it was a salad making competition, which I could not help but call it the salad tossing competition because how could you not? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is such a weird thing that you have going on, but okay, whatever. Um, but I did it, you know, cause I had a cooking background. So, um, and that was fun. Um, I started just, uh, I forget how long it was that I started doing the breakfast. But that was like, that was really awesome. Oh, yeah. You did the breakfast, too. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I probably did it for like, I don't know, at least a year, maybe longer. Um, And, uh, you know, Breeze would always be there, like, almost before me. Always. (laughs) Always. I loved making breakfast for that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I I miss him so much. and there were so many other times in in my sobriety that he he had a real impact. Just um, I remember one time I was at this meeting and, you know, this girl, she was new. Uh, she came in, she was crying, she was real upset. And like I had shared something. I can't even remember what it was, but like, you know, this other person had, had shared about like how much they had accomplished in their life and how mm. they, you know, and I was like... So I shared after that because I'm like, that's not relatable for this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I really wanted to talk to her after the meeting. But then this guy approaches me and, you know, is talking to me. And basically, it made me really upset. I was like, you think that you can relate to this young female who's struggling with her alcoholism more than I can? A young female who is struggling with her alcoholism? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. And so I remember I was getting ready to get in my car and I was just, it was, I was so upset and I just could not let it go. And I was like, I remember they said, don't leave the meeting with those feelings. Yeah. So I walked back inside and, uh, you know, the fourth dimension guys were in the kitchen and I just was like, I asked Breeze if I could talk to him and, uh, I just started like crying <laughs> And of course, Breeze is like, let me do this the right way. Um, and he got 
some women to come and talk to me. And that always stuck with me because like he was always all about like making sure that he was doing things in a way that was like most beneficial to mm-hmm. who the person, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he, really helped me that day. He he was one of the most intentionally thoughtful guys I've ever met. Yeah. Yeah. He was just he was so insightful and patient and you know just knew the right thing to do uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah <clears throat> and it's so funny i remember whenever he would get his anniversary he hated that he hated having that attention on it <laughs> oh yeah 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 oh uh, anyway so i'm working in the kitchen um and it's just so much fun like i got to meet so many people that maybe i wouldn't have interacted with um you know, I talked to Breeze. I became known as like the singing chef uh, because I'd always have my music on and be singing and like serving food. Oh um, yeah, and that was yep. That was I, I remember that with you, and I remember um, the the cinnamon rolls with me. That everyone <laughs> was always wondering if I made cinnamon rolls for everybody because I always made them from scratch. <laughs> so right, <clears throat> yeah. Yes. Um, I want to say. Um, you know, the more I went to 301, the more I was, like, embedded. Um, so the first time I ended up chairing a meeting, um, me and Rick were tossing Frisbee outside. And someone came out, and they were like, no one's here to chair this meeting. And I was like, I'll do it. And um, so I that's the first time I ever chaired the Friday meeting. Mm, mm. And at the next um, home group meeting, you know, they asked if, you know, if I would do the Friday meeting, but then, so I was only five months sober at that point. And, um, the rule was that you had to have six months. (laughs) So they did a vote to have an exception for me. Um, and then I started doing the, the Friday meeting, um, every Friday. Yeah. And then I always had a trout like problems with like being bored. So I did a lot of stuff to keep myself occupied. Like I did puzzles at home and I would just whatever. And then I ended up starting a game night at three Oh one. Um, because I didn't want to sit at home by myself. Yeah. Uh, and so I started like bringing up my Wii and we would do Wii bowling and we would have food and different other games would be had. And I mean, at one point it started to turn into cards against humanity night, which I hate that game. (laughs) Well, I it's just, I don't know. And the thing that gets me about that game is because, like, I don't need help thinking terrible thoughts. Yeah. I need help not thinking terrible yeah. thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, hey, I totally respect that. I, I mean, that is a really, that's a really solid boundary to just put down, like, that, you know, just being like, this, that makes a lot of sense to me. That's all I'm trying to say. So. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, so life's going pretty good. Um, So back to the whole I'm smoking thing. So I keep going through these phases where it's like, I want to quit. You know, I I don't, it's not like I did it every day, but it's like, if I had it, I had to do it every day. But I went bouts with like out it. And finally- And we're we're talking about pot, not not cigarettes, right? Right, pot. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. sorry. I quit smoking before I quit drinking, actually. Also on New Year's. Um, But, um, so, and I started to feel like I was praying to God every night, thanking him for keeping me sober, 
but there were some times when I was doing that and I would be hot and I was like, this isn't right. Um, and I felt like this disconnection from my higher power when I was doing that. And I was like, you know, I, I need to stop doing this. Um, and so eventually, um, because like I said, I would go times without doing it every time, every year at 420, I would end up buying some. So <laughs> on 419, 2017, I changed my sobriety date. I sat down with, um, Sue, who's now my sponsor and I picked up a white chip. I was like, I need to make a firm commitment to quitting this. Um, and so I have a white chip with like a little green Sharpie circle in it. <laughs> and that is the last time that I, you know, I don't even, I probably didn't even smoke for a while before that, but whatever. I was like, this is it. Uh, so that's like my new sobriety date. Um, nice. Yeah. And, uh, I met Mike, my now husband, like maybe a month after that. No, like a couple months after that. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember Mike. I, I remember him. Yeah, well, that's my husband now. Yeah, so. <laughs> <clears throat> I loved Mike. I thought Mike was a great guy. Yeah, um, and actually, uh, you know, just a little bit on relationships. I so I didn't get in a relationship until I was about a year and a half sober, and I dated uh, this other guy named I always called him Michael, and I still don't call my own husband Michael because it makes me think of my ex Michael. Um, but, uh, you know, he was really nice and was always telling me how beautiful I was, which is something mm -hmm. that I always like wanted. I wanted someone to be like, you're so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I started dating this guy and I'm like, not sure about this after a while. Cause he's very like negative, like, if, you know, my parents had only shown me how to live life, you know, I'm like, dude, you're like, I think he was like 40 at the time. I'm like, you should know. <laughs> like, I don't know. But uh, anyway, but like I move him into my house and then I'm like, the only escape out of this is to like leave my own house. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, so terrible. It's like I got distracted by this like guy who was saying all the right things but then it was like the actions just were like not there mm. and then it's like i didn't know how to get out of it yeah and then i move in with someone in the program who rents a room and and i'm someone who jokes around a lot um i look back on this now but like so the person i moved in with thought i was always flirting with him but I just am like, I like to joke around a lot, <laughs> but either way, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm resistant to anything there for a while until I'm not. And I remember thinking from the very beginning, the first time that he like tried to take my hand being like, this is not what I want, but I have people, people pleasing issues and I don't like pull away or put an end to this. Yeah. Uh, and so, and we're living together, man. It's weird. Uh, and I just broke up with this other guy and I mean, uh, anyway, but whatever it happened, it happens. And, um, eventually I, 
I take a three-day trip with um, some girlfriends of mine to Crystal River. And, you know, I'm there. And I remember at one point, um, you know, they drink. They, you know, are doing their thing. And that's never been an issue. But they have, like, this different type of Grand Marnier. It's like a new one or whatever. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know how that tastes. And I remember sitting in the in the kitchen by myself, and the, there's a bottle of vodka there. And I was like, I could drink this, and no one would know. And I was like, Oh my god, I gotta get out of this <laughs> kitchen right now. Uh, and um, on my drive home, like I'm thinking, like I have to end this relationship. Like I am not good with this. And so for the second time in my life, I end up living with someone after I broke up with them, and it it sucks. Um, and then I meet Mike like a week later. Well, I actually knew Mike before that, but we went on our, um, our first non-date like a week after that. Nice. Now I have this issue where like, you know, this guy that I'm living with is seeing me, you know, with this other guy and I'm evil. And I, I mean, I know I'm in the wrong, you know what I mean? But it's like, I, I shouldn't have been in that relationship to begin with. But I did, and I hurt that person, and I'm aware of it. Mm. Acutely aware of it. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, I get to move out on my own. Um, and, you know, so another thing, uh, when I was going through the steps with my first sponsor, um, it reached a point where I was like, I'm ready to, like, move on. You know, we had done, like, four and five, and um, and I was like, you know, I need to work on my amends list. And she's like, well, you're willing to do it, right? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, so, I mean, you've pretty much done all your steps. And I was like, I can't sign off on that. No. I, like, I feel like I needed to put more work into actually doing the steps. And so that's when I ended up switching from my first sponsor to sue my second sponsor because I was like, I need to actually put in work. I can't just be like, yeah, I'm willing to do this stuff. I need someone to show me how to do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I ended up with uh, Sue as my sponsor. And she's still my sponsor. Um, and so, I mean, I've been sober since my second sobriety date like five years now that's awesome yeah um i want to say that like the best relationship i got in sobriety beyond like reconnecting with my higher power which like i said was kind of easy for me because i look back on that experience when i was a teenager and how mm. this belief in a higher power saved me mm. and mm. so it was it was very easy for me to like get on board with this like if I believe in something else, then that can save me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was really grateful to have had that experience. And um, so the other relationship that I got was one with myself. Mm. I, uh, I often look back and I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know what I liked to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I felt like I didn't know me at all. Yeah. Um, and now it's like, I, I do, I understand what, what it is or when I'm feeling something or, 
you know, I have no problems with telling people no. I have no problems with not engaging in, like, arguments that people have. Um, I was just uh, telling someone the other day, like, I just started saying okay. Like, when people would just be, like, come up and say something sort of, like, inflammatory or trying to get me to engage in some sort of conversation with them, I'd just be like, okay. And move on about my day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I totally resonate with that. Uh, so, and, um, I don't know. I just, I just love that. The ability to not like engage with people. And, mm-hmm. um, so I look back and I was like really not a nice person. Um, I always thought myself as being really funny. Like I could cut you with my words and I often did. Mm. Um, and like, I used to be really proud of my ability to do that. You know, um, because I I just, I don't know why. I I think it was one of those ways that I had to keep people out of my life. I always Mm. believed that if people really knew me, that they would hate me. And I think it's because I didn't really like who I was. Mm. And so I would push people away. Um, I would cut people down. Um, And it's like, I have to watch myself even today, like someone will say something to me and it'll be like an easy opening for me to just be like, Oh, I could say this shit right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I'm like, Nope, no, like you can, but you can't because I don't know. I read, um, a new pair of glasses by Chuck C and he talks a lot about, um, how he can't afford to act in certain ways. Like, Mm. And I think about that a lot. It's like, I can't afford to give in to those like mean jabs or to like do anything at the expense of someone else. I just, I can't afford it. I don't want to be that person anymore. And it takes a lot of work to not be that person anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I like the person I am today, you know? And um, I say my biggest struggle nowadays is trying to stay connected because with the pandemic, you know, I mean, yeah, we did some Zoom meetings here and there, um, but it was hard. Yeah, it was, which is really where the idea for this podcast came from was like that idea of like, if we had some, I don't know, I was just like, if I had some stories from people I could listen to, like, because I love podcasts, I was like, that would be really helpful every day like so i yeah yeah because it was hard i did a few zoom meetings and i was like this sucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh luckily i mean so through the years i've went to tampa bay fall roundup a couple times and i had um some speakers from there that i used to listen to and sue was always on the board so she had tons of cds um i used to listen to tons of cds all the time uh the joe's club and riverview they have um i don't know if it's weekly or monthly but they record their speakers so they have all these cds of speakers so i've definitely relied on speakers a lot and i've learned a lot Mm. just from listening to other people Mm -hmm. exactly yeah just sometimes it's like these ideas that you're like, you know, I never really thought about it like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. I mean, it's been such a joy and a gift for me 
to be hearing all these stories from people because it's been awesome just to hear all the different aspects of everybody's sobriety journeys and you know how different they are and how awesome that is for hopefully a bunch of people to you know relate to so yeah, yeah. I, I just, it's it's so exciting to me <laughs> like i remember <clears throat> um thinking you know my story wasn't that great because like i didn't hit these like crazy low bottoms you know but i also remember through going to the meetings recognizing this like darkness that had filled the inside of me yeah and i feel like through the steps it's like um you kind of turn on the light in there and you look at these like dark areas of your life and that's the only way that you can like escape the like scariness of it you know yeah uh, it always makes me think of basements. Like, you know, when you're a kid, basements are really scary. Oh, God, yeah. My basement was like... terrifying. <laughs> but it's like, you know, if, if you have it lit up to where you can see all the corners, it's not so scary anymore. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, I don't know. And, you know, like, life's good. My husband's been sober for a really long time. We... uh we dated for five years before we even got engaged and we use the tools that we found in AA like all the time, especially when it comes to communication, we don't like keep things from each other. Um, or if we're feeling a certain way, we got to talk about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, I mean, that's made for like a great relationship. And, uh, I'm sure you can imagine, I never thought I'd be married. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and I'm really also, I look back to, like, I used to, when I first changed my sobriety date, which it took me a while even after I picked up that white chip to really be like, change my sobriety date. And it was because I didn't want to discount all the work that I had put in before that, you know? Yeah. But it was just like, I told myself that, I had to, I mean, I I had to do it. I had to change it. I wanted to be able to share with people that I had been clean and sober all this time, not differentiate it like, oh, you know, I was quit drinking at this time, but I quit doing this at that time. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's like, and um, I actually, John uh, had helped me get a job at a treatment center um, a couple years back, and I worked there for like four years. And that was quite the experience, um, you know, uh, and I will say I did not do any sponsoring at that. Time. Well, I did a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, I've never been much of a sponsor. I have one now, a sponsee, but I'm still like, I always feel like I'm going to mess people up. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, man. No, you, girl, <laughs> you, you would be an amazing sponsor. Well, so Mike always tells me, um, because this is what his sponsor told him. He's like, it doesn't matter what you say. They're going to hear what they hear. Exactly. <laughs> so I try to keep that in mind, uh, you know. Um, and, of course, I've had sponsees that went out again. Um, and then my sponsor is always like, well, you stayed sober. And that's what matters. But, you know, it's hard because you're, like, trying to help this person. And you're like, maybe I could have been better at helping them. Yeah. Uh, 
but you know, it's like, it's not in my hands. It's not up to me. If I'm going to live this third step in my life, I'm not in control of the outcome. That's what I try to remember too. I'm not in control of the outcome. God's in charge. Exactly. That's hard to do sometimes too. Cause I always want to be like, but if I did this thing, then I could uh, maybe make it work out the way I want. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it doesn't work like that. But no, unfortunately I, it doesn't. And there's like a freedom from that too. Mm-hmm. I remember that when I when I first did the third step. I'm like there's a freedom that comes with being like you know, I just do the next right thing and someone else is in charge of what happens after that. Um so I really enjoy that. That's awesome. Yeah. It really is. I mean, yeah. So so it sounds like to me like you have a lot of reasons why you stay sober. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I stay sober today cause I like the person that I am and I don't want to be that person. I'm not like that. I used to be anymore. Um, I stay sober cause I have wonderful, joyous moments in my life and I get to remember them. Yeah. I, don't miss not knowing what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to school now. Um, my life is progressing. Uh, hopefully I'll be done in a year and a half, but you know, I'm married now and I mean, life is just good, man. Like, like I said, like my life never went anywhere. It was like going through the motions Drinking, working, drinking, working, drinking, working. And it was not that great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so. Gosh. Well, <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much. You didn't. It was awesome. <laughs> well, that was just awesome. I thank you, Kathara, for coming on. What a wonderful story and what a wonderful person. Um, so thank you for listening as always. If you are somebody who is sober and would like to come on the podcast, I would love that. Please reach out to me again. The email is Sam at whyareyousober.org. The website is whyareyousober.org. Next week, we actually have a wonderful friend of mine from my college days and slightly post-college days of my friend, Barbara, who's coming on to tell her story. Barbara is awesome. And while she and I were connected early on, neither of us knew that the other person was struggling with addiction. And it came out much later when I got sober and posted something online. And she was like, hey, friend, guess what? Welcome to the club. So I am so honored and pleased that she has uh, chosen to come on here. And I can't wait to share her story next week. So um, again, get in touch with me. You can find me on socials, the website, the email address. And as always, I'm wishing you all peace, love, and a whole lot of joy.